Hello, Les Raymond here with the Mindful Movement. Whether you are about to enjoy one of Sarah's beautiful meditations or dive into a podcast interview, I would like to remind our community that the best way to support the Mindful Movement is to support the companies that make this happen. Sarah and I are very picky about the companies we choose to work with, and we are grateful to have the relationships we have and to share them with our listeners. You can learn more about our affiliates through our website by clicking on the Favorites tab. We are excited to have recently added Sunlighten as an affiliate. They make state-of-the-art infrared saunas, and their founder, Connie, came on for a recent interview if you would like to listen. Our Sunlighten sauna has been a family favorite for over a decade. Some of our most popular affiliates are the grounding mats from Ultimate Longevity, which we sleep on every night, and the Apollo Neuro, which Sarah is now wearing daily to help manage stress. When you support these brands, you in turn are supporting the mindful movement and helping Sarah and I continue to devote our time to this passion. Whether you check out these companies or not, I just want to say thanks again and reiterate how grateful Sarah and I both are for all of the support over the years. I hope you enjoy the episode. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, and welcome to the Mindful Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Les Raymond. Thanks for tuning in for another episode. Today, I got to speak with Lee Holden from Holden Qigong. I was first introduced to Qigong many years ago at a wellness retreat of some sort. And then several years later, again, through a, um, a father of an acquaintance of mine that was a longtime practitioner that gave me some new ideas. And I never really did much more than a little dose around those two areas in my life. And then in uh, 2017, I got really sick. And I know I've talked about that on the podcast before. And when I was really in the midst of that like healing crisis in 2018, I wound up tapping into what I learned in the past about Qigong and used it pretty regularly. I would get in this habit of just walking out my backyard into the woods and stood by this uh, this one favorite tree of mine and I would practice for maybe anywhere from five to 15 minutes and it was a really important thing for me at that time in my life for whatever reason you know once I got better I just moved on to different phases of my life and I wouldn't say I forgot about it but you know I just don't practice anymore so I was excited that Lee Holden reached out to us because I'm using it as inspiration to get back into it on the East Coast here. The weather is breaking and I really like to practice outside in the sun. So now that I'm, um, uh, you know, more uh, willing to go outside under <laughs> fair weather conditions, 
uh, barefoot standing out there. Um, I'm looking forward to tapping into my old my old practices and and see what arises. So uh, I hope you enjoy the conversation. I know I did. Okay, I'm here with Lee Holden from Holden Qigong. Lee, thanks for joining me on the Mindful Movement Podcast. Hey, so great to be here. So you reached out to us and I was kind of excited because personally, I used to practice Qigong a little bit. Um, actually, I kind of leaned on it as an anchor of some sort during a tough patch of my time in my life. And then unfortunately, like when I got better and I felt better, I departed from it, like as if I didn't need it. And um, And I was pleasantly reminded that Hey, this is something that you really connected with and got a lot out of and feel kind of freshly re-inspired to dip my toe back into the practice. Um, I wanted to just start at the 101. How do you define chi in the context of the practice of qigong? Oh, that's that's great. I love your story. That's and it's not an uncommon story because you know, qigong is such a beautifully healing type of practice uh, and I'll just say that you know one of the main things that Qigong was designed for is prevention and I think we forget that that we can prevent problems from arising and that we usually are so focused on symptoms I got this pain I got this problem I need to solve it that we forget that we can prevent problems from arising and uh, that's sort of the cornerstone of, of Qigong practice as a was built out of a preventative medicine system. Um, you know, in fact, I mean, I think this is this is a funny story, not not necessarily funny, but almost like a bit, a bit sad in where we find ourselves, because the way in which they used to practice Qigong was in this preventative style. And here's how they did it. They would pay their qigong practitioner or their acupuncturist their their medical doctor uh a monthly stipend and as long as they were healthy they would continue to pay but as soon as they got sick they stopped paying so it's a completely reverse model than we have here in the west i mean if you can imagine going to your doctor and saying hey you didn't do your job i don't feel well so i'm not going to pay you we would have a whole different kind of healthcare model in fact, we would have a healthcare model, not a sick care model. So I love, I love that. And I think um, if we can kind of get our mindset around practices like Qigong and prevention and doing things that are, are healthy for us on the front end, then we prevent problems from arising on the back end, which is much more efficient. So more on that later. Uh, let's talk about what Qigong is. So Qi means energy, means your life force energy. And Quite, quite simply, chi means aliveness. There's a force inside you that keeps you alive. There's an energy that beats your heart, that breathes your lungs, that creates light in your mind, uh, that moves digestion along. There's a force there that, that we don't really have a name for in maybe Western society, but we take it for granted that we are alive. And uh, the ancient Chinese masters called it chi. And now gong simply means work. So it's energy work. Um, gong also denotes like an expertise. So it can mean an expertise at working with life force energy. Gotcha. Do you think that's synonymous with um, like the use of the word prana in other cultures? Exactly. Yeah. So chi would be the Chinese word 
And in Indian yoga or in Ayurvedic medicine, prana would be a very similar word, the, the energy of the body, the life force. And in fact, most cultures have a word for life force energy. We just have sort of dropped it because we can't explain it. Because anytime you talk about aliveness, you are talking about the mystical. You know, nobody quite knows why the heartbeat starts, uh, how it continues to beat. I mean, it's any area of your body, whether it's your heart, your brain, your consciousness, we run into the mystical. So we have just let it go as something that's unexplainable. But the ancients and, you know, the, the Native Americans, the, the Indian yogis, they, they have words for this because they are in awe of the mystical. And it's not that we need to define everything. Um, like the word chi, we can't necessarily define it, but we can experience it and we can utilize it to our benefit. Gotcha. So the, the difference between um, living amongst it and experiencing it is, is that like it's always there um, permeating the fabric of whatever we experience as existence, and then we can just tap into it almost like an antenna tuning to it? So that... uh, beautiful metaphor. Beautiful. Yes. Um, because, for example, there's frequencies all around us. And when you look around your room, you mainly look at the things, not the, the air, or for example, or the space. But the space is full of potential. It is full of energy. If you have the right device, you can tune into a particular frequency and get a cell phone reception. You can get a radio wave. You can get a TV station. Um, that is energy moving through that invisible space. Uh, and the same is true with us. And if we are receptive to it, we can receive it, draw it in, be tuned into it. Um, and, and I love this topic because it's not just the mystics that are talking this way. It is the quantum physicists. It's the new, new science is really talking about kind of who are we and even where are we? You know, you, you asked me the question, where are you this morning? <laughs> and, uh, you know, we can all ask ourselves that question. Where am I? Am I just in this body? Am I just in this brain? Or am I broadcasting? that frequency of Lee and I'm something more quantum and more uh, indefinable. Right. Yeah. Cause it seems like our instrumentation, our sensory uh, perceiving instruments that we have, it's like, it's so limited, but what we have seems to be there to help us survive. But it, yeah. it's such a small sliver. Like I remember I used to have this, um, a pet ball Python when I was mm. a teenager. <laughs> and um, I, I have one right now. My teenagers have, have oh, one. Okay. <laughs> but I remember like they see a very different spectrum that yeah. we do. You know, we see, um, we're very familiar with this visible light spectrum. And, you know, we think that's all, it, and we do that for a reason because that's what we needed to see to survive. And they yeah. need a different thing to survive. So they see a different thing, but it's such a small All of a sudden, I can't hear you. Signal here. There, there we go. There I'm we go. Back. Okay. Uh, sorry about that. Where was I? Yeah. Um, I mean, we. It's 
we only seem to see what we need to see, but there's a lot more there. And whether it is fundamental and we're just tapping to it, or if on some level it's more emergent and it's emerging out of whatever is fundamental, it still seems like we have the ability to interact somehow. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. What's the difference of not being able to interact with the the chi and working with the chi and being able to interact? Is it just the act of paying attention? I mean, is the postures and the movements necessary? Oh, oh. some great points and, uh, and and a great question. Uh, and I think these are these are definite food for thought in this practice because you were, we're talking about different ways of connecting to this energy field and like you were saying the five senses only give us a very small spectrum of what is actually going on at any given time or situation i think it's you know like in this room right now we're only picking up maybe one billionth of what is actually here in terms of frequencies you know there's devices like we were saying that picks up other things that your senses can't. And if you're uh, you're a bat, you can pick up information in this room that we human beings can't. Or if you're, uh, like you said, a ball python, you're going to sense the room through your tongue, uh, not only your eyeballs. And we don't do that. So there's a lot more going on here. And when we're doing, let's say, a practice like Qigong, we are heightening percent perception, especially our felt sense our, let's say, gut feelings, our kinesthetic intuition, because you're starting to feel deeply into life's energies. And when you feel deeply into life's energies, you can pick up more information, especially the information that's coming from your body. Because I feel like here in the West, we ignore, we don't speak the language of sensation or energy. So that's why we get so many, so much problems. So we'll sit at a computer for five or six hours and the body will be like hey i'm uncomfortable this kind of hurts and we'll be like ah never mind i'm pushing through and then all of a sudden now we got a headache now we got chronic neck pain now we got low energy and fatigue why because we're not used to speaking the language of the body which is sensation which sensation is energy and so there's some very practical reasons to heighten perception and to be tuned in rather than tuned out uh, because when you're tuned in, you just create a lot more health, vitality, and joy in your life. And when we're tuned out, we get stressed out and we get stuck, as you were talking about, in survival mode, which let's, for a better word, we'll call it stress. Survival mode and stress really means you're locked into your sympathetic nervous system, which is fight or flight or stress mode. And it hijacks us because we can't be in survival mode and joyful or relaxed or at peace at the same time. So one of the key and cornerstones of a Qigong practice is lower stress. Keep your stress levels low so that you can heighten perception, drop into a state of inner peace and joy and, and really be thriving rather than surviving. So when you say heightened perception, is that essentially the act of being present precisely um so you know qigong is a mindfulness practice but it's done in motion so it's a moving meditation um and so you use the instrument of your body as a way to really drop into presence um 
so I think you were you were asking is is qigong a, a, one of the ways in which we heighten perception and, and the postures and the breathing and the flows and the movement is it the only way it's not really the only way I mean meditation yoga um you know contemplation all these things will help us to drop in and heighten perception of what's going on in the present moment I mean really we were, we're like how do I get out of this chronic uh overthinking mind that tends to focus on the negative and one beautiful way and it's only one way is to just drop into the present moment and dropping into the present moment how do we do it we tune into the body because your body is always present so in meditation what are we going to do we're going to we're going to focus on our breathing that's something your body does so in qigong practice we're going to continue to follow that path to drop in and pay attention to the body, the moment on deeper and deeper levels and layers. And when you do that, all of a sudden you find yourself really connected to this life force energy. And even one simple exercise that we can do is we can feel our bodies right now. We can feel the chair at our backs. We can feel the floor underneath us. Then we can also just be aware of the clothes on our skin. It's like, oh yeah, I wasn't aware of that before Lee mentioned it, now I feel clothes on my skin. And now we can feel the air on our face. Oh, yeah, I can feel the air on my face. Now you go from chair, which is more obvious to air on the face, which is more subtle. And the same thing inside your body we can do we can go, oh, I feel my bones, the weight of my bones on the chair. I feel the muscles. But can I feel these invisible life force energy inside of us like the air, it's more subtle. But as you heighten perception, you're like, oh yeah, I feel a little, I feel a little energy in my body, a buzz, a tingle, a something. So when we do qigong practice, that energy that's usually below our level of awareness becomes very apparent. Gotcha. So where where did you learn this? How how did you get into it? Were you inspired by somebody, or how'd this come about for you? Beautiful, beautiful question. I, um, two things. One, I was studying psychology at UC Berkeley. I was in like year two and I was like, man, I've been, I've been studying this at the university for two years and not in, not in one class did anybody teach me how to feel better. Not in one class did somebody say, okay, here, if you're feeling down, depressed, stressed out, here's what to do. And I was like, man, this is, this is a bit depressing to, to just learn and label diseases and symptoms. So one day I was I uh, was walking downtown Berkeley and I and I found myself in a spiritual bookstore. It was called Shambhala Books, and the incense was flowing and the Buddhas were out in front and the waterfalls and the fountains were going, and I started reading books on um, Qigong and Chinese medicine practices. One book in particular was called Transform Stress into Vitality by Montak Chia, and I picked up this book. I bought it, I walked out of the bookstore, and then on the telephone pole outside the bookstore was a flyer, Montauk Chia giving a workshop, UC Berkeley tomorrow. And I was like, wow, I, I guess I gotta go to this thing. Well, I didn't have enough money at the time to attend the workshop. I think it was like, you know, 200 bucks for the weekend. So I went anyways, and I just said, hey, I'm, I'm a student, um, you know, could I work it off? Can I, can I help out in any way? And they said, yes. And this started a uh, a long path of working with this Qigong master who'd come to town every two uh, twice a year, 
and I would work in the bookstore and do whatever else he needed. And when I graduated, I said, you know what, Master Chia, I would love to come work for you in Thailand where he had his, his center, his retreat center. And so off I went, I became his ghostwriter. I did 12 trips to Thailand. I wrote eight to 10 books for him. And oh, wow. I studied with him one-on-one -on -one every morning at 5 a.m. Um, and then not only did I go to Thailand, but every trip I would, I would go to China and spend a couple of weeks in the parks in China studying with various masters there. And I would travel around Asia, Indonesia. I went to China multiple times, um, you know, Bali and found different healing arts masters and different people practicing different styles of Qigong and started to create a system that made sense to Westerners, Western lifestyles, um, getting people out of pain, helping them transform stress into vitality. And uh, I found myself working in, you know, when I would be home in California, I would be working in Silicon Valley as a stress management educator. Uh, I would do classes at fitness centers and all over the place throughout the Bay Area. Um, eventually, I found myself working uh, on different movie sets in Hollywood as a as a wellness director and have taking actors through, you know, little Qigong sets to help them with their lines. And, uh, you know, the, the journey was continued with me making um, DVDs and and uh, doing educational work um, through public television. And so it was, you know, this one decision of me skipping class and finding a book, you know, completely transformed my life. That's awesome. What a great story. Yeah, it was awesome. So speaking of like, uh, finding a way to fit more of the Western lifestyle. How do you personally, now that you've practiced for, it sounds like what, 20 plus years. Yeah. 30, 30, 30 years. years after practicing that long, how have you set, I'm sure it's, I assume it's changed over the years, but how have you settled at this stage in your life? As far as how do you integrate it into, into your, like, uh, into your day, into your lifestyle? Mm, I mean, that's great. I mean, I, I, for me, I, I don't go a day without doing it because when I do this practice, I'm more efficient. Uh, and, and really the misconception for people is that I don't have enough time to do it. And my answer is you don't have enough time not to do it. If you're busy, if you have things to do, if you want to be efficient, if you want to be energized, if you want clarity, this practice helps tremendously. And so when you do a practice like this, you become much more efficient. Your clarity on what's uh, priority or what's going to lead you through your best day because you are in your best self is vitally important. So it, it, I also try to help people reprioritize and, and say, hey, do you have like 15 minutes to do a practice? Do you have five minutes? It's going to be better than not doing it because you're going to be in a clearer mind and a more energized body. So for me, I always do a morning practice um, and often do an evening practice. And, and sometimes my evening practice is me and my kids watching a movie and sitting on the floor and doing Qigong stretches. You know, I'll, I'll integrate up before dinner. I'll do three minutes of, of stretching or, or flows just to kind of clear the tension from the day. But I always start the, the day with a nice solid uh, 30 minutes to an hour practice. And then usually I'm teaching at least an hour every day. Uh, if not, you know, I'm teaching a workshop or, a, uh, you know, some live event on Zoom. 
Okay. So is most of your teaching online now? Most of my teaching on, now is online, uh, although we are coming into our some of our first event week-long retreats uh, in 2023. So oh, cool. um, now we're doing some week-long retreats. And then most of my classes are online. Um, you know, I have a subscription so people can come and take weekly classes from wherever they are in the world. And those classes are either live, you can come on Zoom and ask me questions, or they're on demand afterwards on a website. Gotcha. I know personally in my practice, I find myself really compelled when I practice to be outside. I mean, I'm willing to do inside, uh, you know, in the winter or whatever, but ideally I'm outside. I'm, I'm on the ground barefoot mm -hmm. and um, preferably, you know, with the sun out. But one thing that I always gravitated towards um, was having my back to and I don't I think I heard this early on when I was first introduced, but I'm not sure that might be just a false memory in my head. But to have my back to a tree. Oh, beautiful. Is there yeah. anything to is there anything to that? It always felt right to me. Like I was in relationship with the tree. Like it I was um almost honoring it by borrowing its strength temporarily while I was there. Like I'm gonna mm. keep you company and I'm just gonna um tap into what you are offering here a little bit. I didn't really have much to offer back, but like I would always, I'm so, humans are funny. Um, I walk up and I <laughs> lean on it funny. and I I put my hands on the tree just to like, I, you know, I acknowledge you. I'm grateful you're here. And now I'm going to um, borrow some of your juice and I'm going to, and I would stand out and I felt like the strength of the tree and the uprightness was like um, almost re- enforcing like the uprightness of my spine almost it was like mm -hmm. giving me a scaffolding to um to like connect with or resonate with in this like parallel sense mm. i don't know if that's Beautiful. all just between my left ear and my right ear and i'm just making it all up or if Please. there's really you know some you know ever-present thing that's just connecting everything and i'm just finding my own way to tune the receptor the antenna to it well absolutely i mean all we have to do is look at the fact that the trees exude oxygen and take in carbon dioxide and and we're the reverse there's a synergistic energy system here that's much deeper than just breath and um yes i mean doing practice outside in nature is such a beautiful thing and I love that story because um, there are Qigong practices that you do specifically with the trees. And it's a, it, and the, the ones in China are clinics that they take you out into the trees and it's specifically for cancer patients because the trees will take our sick energy and almost like a composting process, transform it into fuel for themselves and give you back healing energy for, for you. Um, and now we have research, you know, the, the grounding practices. If you walk barefoot on the earth, it sloughs off oxidation and gives you back negative ions that, that help you to rejuvenate. And, and the, the studies in Japan on forest bathing, I mean, people are having profound healing effects that are now being, you know, verified by our Western scientists. And these are ancient practices. You don't go out in nature get your bare feet on the ground, go put your hands on a tree, sit with your back on a tree, and you're going to feel something profound if you get your mind quiet. I think this is just such a, a deep, rich practice that 
is healing, but it's also expanding our consciousness. That'd be, you know, getting us out of our self-centric, what, you know, survival mode where I'm just focused on myself and we'll start to feel a much deeper presence uh, by just communing with nature. And I think, I think everybody should go out there, put their backs on a tree, take some deep breaths, quiet their minds and see what happens because it can be quite profound and powerful. Um, you know, the, the, the trees are our, our, our connection to, to the earth. And uh, it helps us to remember that we're not separate because each breath that you take, you're taking in energy from nature. And when you exhale, you are sending yourself back to nature. So there's this dance that's happening all the time that we forget about. And we get so in the misconception that we're skin encapsulated that it's all happening in here when it's it's really this sharing of energy all the time. And when it's free flowing, we feel better. And when we're resistant to that, when we're stuck, uh, we feel lower in our energy system. We feel tense in our bodies. And so we look at nature or we look at the breath as a way to see, hey, what's actually going on here? And how do we stay in tune with what's real, what's going on, as opposed to just being stuck in our in our heads. Yeah, I think there's something really important about these really nourishing practices too, um, and just things that are more gentle on the body. I mean, our culture is you know go 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 do do do, and they forget to be be be. And yeah, um, yeah. like I work in a a gym and there was like this big duration where everybody, um, you know, didn't show up from themselves for these last few years and not everybody, but, you know, large percentage of the population. And, and now they're like waking up to like, Oh, what have I, what have I done? You know, I'm 30 pounds heavier. What have I got myself into feel like shit, whatever. And they're, you know, crawling back into the gym and I'm meeting with these folks and they're so stressed. Like they, they haven't realized yet that they've been affected by the stress. I mean, they've been caught. Oh, there's your, that's cute. Um, you know, they've been so swept up by what happened over the last few years that they haven't paused enough to notice how they themselves have been affected. They might be thinking about how their child's affected and, you know, the social implications of what, how their, their schools manage the situation, whatever the thing, but then they come in and they're like, oh, I, I got to get back in shape. I just gained 30 pounds. And I'm like, well, everything I have to offer here is pretty stressful. So <laughs> you're, you're this, like, you've been stressed, you know, moving up the ladder in your job for the last nine years. Then you had this you know, giant elephant in the room level stress that nobody seems to be acknowledging. And then you're asking me to make you do a lot of hard physical work and thinking that's going to be some solution. And and I have to have that talk about uh, stress and managing hormone levels and such. But it's nice that there's practices out there that don't really draw from the cup. Like, you you know, they're they're all. It seems to be generally one, like one directional. Like when you practice qigong, it's not like oh, I'm worn out from this. You know, you, it only seems to fill the cup. And, you know, there's gentle practices of yoga can become very strenuous, but there's a gentle approach for sure. Anything can be approached in a very gentle, nourishing way, but a lot of modalities 
um, are very quick in this culture to not do that, to push, 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 and go, go, go. And Qigong, at least my uh, fairly limited exposure to it, it's always nourishing. It's always feel better when you're done. You're not, um, you know, there's no recovery required from the practice. Yeah, such so so well put because um, qigong does fill up your cup. It's it's the practice that nourishes you, fills you up. You bring energy in rather than expend it. And, and we're talking about a couple of different kinds of energy. I mean, one is the go 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 energy that we call that yang energy, less than yin and yang. And people have heard of this term yin and yang, which um, yang is cup of coffee. Let's go. Let's get things done. Yin is Let's go to sleep, let's unwind, let's relax. And both are essential. And when you deplete yin, you don't have any yang. You know, like when you don't sleep well, try going to not sleeping well for three, four days. You don't have the yang energy to go, go, go. You're like, man, I am tired. I don't have enough energy. Well, we do that too long and we don't nourish ourselves for a long time. Then all of a sudden we're depleted and we can't get things done. We're not our best selves. So we really refine what it means to have energy. Um, and so if we push too hard, so you work really hard, you're stressed out, and then you go to the gym, like you're saying, these are all one kind of mode where Qigong is movement, but it's done in a relaxing way. You're in this nice, relaxed flow. So you're doing yin and yang in balance. It's like, if we're talking about nature, Qigong would be the sunset or the sunrise of exercise. It's like balance. It's, it's movement, but it's relaxing movement. It's, it's breathing, it's stretching. You're conditioning your body, but you're doing it in this really gentle, nourishing way that will really fill you up with more power and energy. You know, yesterday I taught a workshop. It was called Postures of Power, and it was ways to stand in alignment with what's going on around you. So you're actually bringing energy into your system. And it is astonishing how much energy you can feel after, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour of practice, you feel so charged up. And, and like any device that we have, we got to plug ourselves in, we have to charge ourselves up. And it's not just sleep. It's dynamic relaxation that really charges us up with more energy and dynamic relaxation is like the practices like qigong or tai chi or yoga or meditation where we're relaxing but we're alert and we're quieting our minds but we're also breathing deep so those kinds of things are invaluable to balanced harmonized energy and even creating a healing effect in our body after periods of stress which what you were talking about was a long bout of what was stressful, you know, something was forced upon us, a change. And how did we respond? A lot of people responded by, you know, not moving their bodies, gaining weights, being stressed out, getting full of anxiety, being lonely. And now we have to, what do we do from here in this moment to release whatever's happening within us, whatever stress we picked up, and how do we transform it uh, using our nature analogy? How do we compost it, transform this stress into something that's going to give us back a very nourishing garden? Uh, you know, and, uh, for me, I'm always talking about where are we putting our energy and how are we utilizing our energy? And when we mismanage our energy, 
it's a little bit like taking that compost and just leaving it in the house. That manure, we just stick it in the kitchen rather than out in the garden or, you know, put it in the bedroom with us. And we're like, God, this is disgusting. This is not feeling good. This smells bad. You know, it's like, well, you're just not putting your energy in the right place. If you do, all of a sudden, everything feels a whole lot better. Yeah. So compost in the garden, not in the bedroom. Not in the bedroom. That's funny. <laughs> You mentioned posture. I think that's a big thing. I don't think people recognize the benefits they get with their breathing when, excuse me, when their um when their posture is kind of reset to some degree. You know, I work in a gym and we do some assessment. And generally, when like nobody comes in with good posture, like no, like maybe one out of a hundred. I mean, virtually nobody these days right. because of um. Obviously, the technologies that we all rely on are all encouraging us to, you know, have an inferior pro uh, posture and just get it all dysregulated. But the, the, the form that we have, our architecture is, it's, um, you know, the form followed the function. So, you know, as we changed the way we walked and we became upright, like the architecture changed and then it, that, um, to suit that function. But then when you lose that posture, the architecture has been compromised and you can't have the architecture compromised without the function then in turn being compromised, which means you're not getting the breath that you think you are. Your lungs aren't expanding the way they're designed to. Your ribs aren't expanding. Things are in the way, whether the shoulder blades aren't uh, set on, you know, in the right place in the ribs or in the heads, not, uh, you know, weighted properly. And over time, like that's taxing. So if somebody takes a moment and puts intention to the way they stand, even if you're, you know, you're not really moving, some of the movements in the Qigong practices are so incredibly subtle and minimal. Um, but the act of just the sheer act of standing and putting attention to the way that you're standing could be the first time all day or whatever that you're actually taking like a real breath, putting aside any intention to the depth or the volume of the breath, just like the mechanics, because you're finally holding yourself in some of an upright position, as opposed to, you know, the cashew or slouched position that we all, you know, no matter what you do, you're going to find yourself in due to the, you know, cultural and societal um, environments that we've, we've imposed on, on ourselves. I mean, that's so true. And, and all we have to look at is most people sit way too long. We're right. sitting, you know, for four to eight to 10 hours a day. You know, we, we sit at work all day, you know, we come home, we sit for dinner, we sit and watch TV and then we don't move our bodies enough. Um, and I, I love the, the research out there. Now this big study came out sitting is the new smoking. And it's because sitting too long is just detrimental to your health. Uh, and, you know, and it's not even just exercise for an hour at the gym and then sit for 10 hours. That's, I mean, it's better to get the exercise, but it's not the optimal way of moving these bodies in a functional right. way. And, and I think our postures reflect our attitudes and our emotions. So all we have to do is look at somebody who's depressed. You'll see their chest is sunk down, their head's down. And somebody who's happy is, and inspire they're more upright their face changes and uh yeah sorry i gotta i have a two-year-old can i pause one second sure do you think all right we're back um you 
I don't know. I lost where we were talking, but I was thinking about um, why you stepped away there. Before we hit um, record on this episode, you were talking about the flow state and peak performance. Mm-hmm. Um, can you elaborate a little bit on on what that means to you and how that relates to um, what you've been teaching? Absolutely. I mean, flow state is something that everybody's seeking. And it's mainly talked about in athletics or in performing artists or acting or even artists. Like when you hit the flow state, you are performing at your highest level. And everybody who talks about being in the zone or in flow state feels so good when they're doing it. And there's characteristics of flow state. One is that they're energized. Two is that they're very present. They're present in the moment with what they're doing. There's a feeling of oneness with that activity that you're doing. So whether it's a sport, there's a feeling of oneness with your teammates, a feeling of oneness within yourself or within, you know, the movement of the ball. Uh, there's, a, there's a sense of being more expanded. Uh, if you're a rock climber, it's a feeling of oneness with the rock or a surfer, a oneness with the wave. And I got fascinated with flow state because I'm like, why aren't people, everyday life people doing flow state and practicing and bringing their best selves into whatever they're doing, whether it's parenting, whether it's uh, working at the office, doing this particular job, that particular job, because when you're doing it in flow state, you're having fun, you are being challenged in the right way, and you're showing up energized. Um, So I think if we can get into flow state, we just go through our days, even through the mundane, at a much higher vibration. Uh, And the, the beauty about a practice like Qigong is that it trains flow state very directly rather than, rather than, um, just through an activity, you know, so we, we relax our bodies, we move our bodies with with relaxation, with energy, and we get into flow state very directly, which then leads you to being in flow state when you're not practicing, when you're just doing all the things so that you're bringing your best self into whatever you're doing. We're not doing it with agitation or with tension or tightness or frustration and whatnot. We're, We're doing it with more uh, creative from a creative spirit and with a, with a high vibration to say the least. Gotcha. So almost like a daily Qigong practices more general, like, uh, you're practicing a more general flow state that could then be applied and, and translated to a more specific flow state through a, a certain hobby or, or whatever performance demand that you have. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I have four children, so I sometimes talk about parenting because it can be stressful. It can be frustrating. No. It can be lots of demands. It's easy, man. Yeah, easy peasy, right? So, you know, when you're stressed out, you're going to be snappy. You're going to say things you don't mean. You're going you're gonna to be like, God, you know, at the end of the day, you're like, I wish I didn't react that way. Um, and the Qigong practice, what I find, it gives people more space to respond rather than react. So we can like, before I snap, I guess uh, there's a pause between, I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to respond in a more, uh, from my center, from my heart's response, rather than from my agitation, which feels so much better. And you feel like, wow, that was a really challenging circumstance, whatever it was. 
And I really rose to the occasion, got through it with grace and ease. <clears throat> and that becomes, that becomes really fun. And that becomes like sometimes the challenge of the day to, to move through circumstances that maybe I don't really want to do <clears throat> or that are, you know, that life has thrown upon me, like we were talking about with, with the pandemic. How do I rise to the occasion? How do I bring my best self into whatever circumstance that life's thrown at us and find my flow and rhythm to become a stronger, more kind, compassionate human being? through adversity. Right. Yeah. Parenting for sure. There's been so many times where I've just felt like a total ass when I reflect on like how I spoke to my child or the yep. way I phrased something and the energy I was radiating at the time. And meditation has been such a like critical tool for me to sh shine light on those moments. Like so many times I've had a meditation session and then I wind up walking down the hall to knock on my kid's door to apologize to them about something. Um, yeah. I've gotten better at it because as you know, I've been flexing the muscle of meditation um, and just self-reflection, like I don't make the same mistakes as much, uh, you know, mm -hmm. I've gotten stronger at the, um, the response, you know, at responding a little bit more skillfully, but meditation also, it's like uh, it can be, you're, it can be really hard. Like the stillness aspect of it, is super challenging. I know for some of the clients in the gym, you know, the first thing I teach folks is breathing and they're still, mm -hmm. and they squirm, some of them squirm. Some of like the, I don't like to lump people in categories. I don't know how real these categories are, but what would be thought of as like a type A mm -hmm. type person, the, it's the most challenging thing they ever have to do in the gym with me is the, is the like two to three minutes of breathing. <laughs> where they where they're not where they just can't be still and having a and you know as you mentioned qigong is a it's a moving meditation so yeah. you're getting you know the, the same you know same category of benefits but for some folks that ability to move especially you know if you're seated a lot throughout the day and you need an outlet but it's eight o'clock at night you're not going to the gym you don't want to rev the system up but you need somewhere to direct that energy it's such a it's such a great tool to have um, in the toolkit to lean on and could really, uh, I mean, be a, a great daily anchor or regular anchor for so many. Yeah, I mean, I love I, I love that because some some people like to quiet their minds and take a few deep breaths is like that is a stretch. That is a that is a, a yoga move right there is like, wow, I can't stretch into that capacity. That's that's weird or that's difficult or. No, you know, sometimes the Qigong practice is easier for some people to quiet their minds because you're doing so much with your body. It's almost like you're doing all these things with your body and all of a sudden the side effect of it is a quiet mind um, because of because you're putting your attention on these things that your body's doing. All of a sudden, when you go to sit and meditate after a Qigong practice, you're already like there. Um and, you know, funny thing, I started, um, you know, back in the day, I started teaching a lot of Qigong classes in the gym. And, you know, my first product was a Qigong for fitness because I was coming into the, these gyms all through the Bay Area and teaching Qigong classes, which most of the time the gym owners were like, is this going to work? I mean, are people going to actually do this? Because this is in the nine, early 90s. And um, often the class became very popular because people are like, oh, this is what I needed. Because 
it is a remedy to all the things that we're doing in life that go, go, go. And then they go at the gym. And then like, if you can unwind, you just feel so much better. And, you know, one of the gyms I was teaching at, there were a lot of Olympic athletes training. Um, and so I started teaching them Qigong for performance. And so then I had a lot of athletic clients and they were saying, wow, this really helped me on my recovery days. This really helped me relax. This helped with this injury and that injury. And so they were finding such value in these relaxing types of practices. I mean, now meditation has become so popular and, and because it's, it's just such a beneficial thing to do for our whole entire system. I mean, I think you know, like Qigong, meditators are healthier. They are going to live longer because these managing our stress is so crucial to preventing problems. And, and coming back kind of full circle to what we were talking about earlier, you know, we've done the research and stress is one of the key factors to most illnesses. You know, they say that about 90% of primary care doctor visits are stress related. This is emotional stress. The stress creates the headache that creates the cardiovascular problem that creates the digestive issues. And if we start to eliminate, eliminate that stress, we're actually doing so many wonderful things to our bodies. You know, the intention of going to the gym, I want to be in shape, but we're, we're only getting part of the picture. We're getting cardiovascularly fit. We're getting muscularly fit. We're, we're, we're exercising the body. But when we do things like meditation, we are becoming fit on more layers and levels. When we do something like Qigong, you're getting chi fit. And chi fit means all of you becomes fit, not just a body fitness, but a mind, body, spirit fitness where everything is in shape, meaning that everything is integrated and working together. Because when one of the parts goes off, the other things follow. If your body's injured, your emotions are going to follow. You're going to be like, oh man, I'm frustrated. And when we're going through emotional stress, your body's going to follow. You're going to have, you're going to develop some reaction physiologically to emotional stress. And when our mind is clear and positive, the emotions follow, the body follows. And when we're filled with worries and anxiety in our thoughts, uh, also the body's going to follow and the emotions going to follow. So everything is connected. And that's what we really get to experience in Qigong, an integrative practice. And because, you know, what I found is people, they don't all, not everybody has enough time to go to the gym, do a meditation class, go stretch their bodies and do, let's say, Tai Chi. What I love about Qigong is it does all of it in one practice. And so it becomes very cohesive and efficient to get all those sort of mind, body, spirit goals met in a daily practice. Gotcha. Well, I personally am glad that you reach out to us because I'm interested and excited about kind of rekindling the practice I've had. I've, I've had uh, the last year, I've gone a little harder in the gym and I've, I've got to the point where I feel like I might've overdone it and maybe overstressed myself with that. And I'm looking forward to balancing out and going through another phase. Um, and as this weather is breaking here in the East, it's just a great, yeah, I just always want to be outside. So it's the perfect opportunity to uh, get grounded, get in the sun and get back to that practice, get back to my tree. Um, I know you have a two-year-old there clawing at you and I know you um, had to watch time for you before we wrap this up. Is there anything else you'd like to share? 
Where do oh, people man, just, uh, where do people uh, find more if they if they want to dip their toe into practice? Oh yeah, come to holdenqigong.com. So the hardest part about qigong is spelling it. So Holden, <laughs> H-O-L-D-E-N, that's my last name. Qigong is spelled Q-I-G-O-N-G, Q-I-G-O-N-G, holdenqigong.com. And we have a free like two-week trial to our video class subscription. I have, um, I have programs on all kinds of conditions, whether it's upper back and neck pain, whether it's low back pain, whether it's anxiety or sleep. We have programs for all those conditions and uh, people can find a lot uh, at the website, holdenqigong.com. Yeah, and it and looks like you have a ton on YouTube, a ton of content. A ton of stuff on YouTube. Yeah, I do. I do pretty much most of my programs that are for sale on the website. I do some version of it on the web uh, on YouTube as well. So people can kind of dip their toe and see, see what it's like. There's, you know, morning practices, evening practices, like I said, upper back, neck, headaches, you know, I, I just design programs that really help fit people's needs so that they get results and they get results quickly. Um, so that's kind of my passion. I love to help people be in their best energetic space to be their best selves. And I think this Eastern practice of Qigong has so much to offer in modern life. And uh, it's just such a, it's such a great thing for me. I've been doing it for 30 years and I'm still extremely passionate about it. I love I love the practice and I love to see the quick results that it gives people and the wow that it gives people. So uh, I like you, I'm going to go outside and do some Qigong practice, take my two-year-old to the, either the, the woods or the, the beach and do some deep breathing. Great. Well, it's, I'm glad to see that you're still so passionate about it. Uh, for the listeners out there, I encourage you to check it out. Thanks again for your listening. Always grateful. And I hope everybody has a, a great day. Well, thanks again for tuning in, everybody. Uh, always grateful. If you've never practiced uh, Qigong, I highly recommend giving it a try and see what it offers you and just, you know, check what you notice and maybe share that with the community so we could all learn. And if you know somebody that maybe is going through a tough time um, and could use some kind of nourishing practice in their life, then send this episode their way and maybe it will be just the inspiration they need to get moving in the, in the right direction. Thanks again for tuning in. Always grateful for your listening.